I want to thank Christine, Angela and Kylie. Wasn't that beautiful? Beautiful music and enjoyed that very much. And uh, just want to thank you guys, three young ladies from my heart for that beautiful song. I want to warmly welcome you all here this afternoon to the, to the opening program of the Prophecy Code. As Lance has already said, this is a seven-part series and I know that as the program begins to roll that you'll find it very interesting and it will challenge you and perhaps even change your life. And so wherever you've come from this afternoon, whether it be in the local community here, Warunga or further afield, we just want to welcome you to this program and we know that you will be blessed and, and we pray that you will get something out of it. I thought just before we got into the main part of the lecture this afternoon that I might just spend a few moments on dealing with what is the prophecy code. I hope that as you came in, you all picked up from our ushers a blue sheet. Have you all got the blue sheet? Hand it up if, I, if you've got it so I can see. Okay, you need to pick that up every, every Saturday afternoon that you come to this program. You pick up a sheet from the front, a piece of paper from the front, from the front door as you walk in. If you turn that blue sheet over to the last page where you've got the black circle, you'll see down the bottom there, tear along the dotted line. Have you picked up where we're at? It says, I don't have a Bible and I would like a free one. Now this is a, a gift from this church and from this program. If you don't have a Bible and we want to encourage you to have a Bible, because I'd like to challenge you to go home and to open your Bible up and to check what I'm saying against the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we're willing to give you one, absolutely no obligation. But you must give us your name, tear it off, and as you walk out the door today, you will see ushers and they will collect that from you. And so we are offering you a free Bible for no other reason then we do want you to check the Bible against what we are saying. So what is, the prophecy, what is the prophecy code? Well, basically, it is a series of seven programs over seven consecutive Saturday afternoons. Each program will be here in this church at 4 p.m. And we want to welcome you and we want to invite you to bring friends and family and whoever would be willing to come and listen for seven Saturday afternoons at 4pm. Each program is 45 minutes to one hour in length. So these are not long programs. They're short programs. The Bible, and I say this unashamedly, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian pastor. The Bible is the basis for the conclusions of each of these programs. And again, I want to challenge you to test what I say. I think it is a mistake in this day and age where we have men and women of all sorts of ilk, all sorts of religion, saying this and that. It is a mistake to come to a program like this and not test what is being said against the Bible. And that, of course, is why we're giving free Bibles to those of you who don't have one. And the Bible, I'll say it again, unashamedly I'm saying, the Bible is the basis for the conclusions of each program. This series will unlock prophecies of the Bible that I believe will give you hope for the future 
for a deeply troubled world. And I believe as I stand here before you this morning, this afternoon, sorry, we live in a deeply troubling world. There are many things happening out there that are causing fear, that are causing great uncertainty. And people don't know what to expect for the future. And I'm here to testify to you this afternoon that the Bible tells us what will happen in the future, how it will happen and what to expect. And so this series, and you need to give the series time to unfold, it will for you unlock the future. And it's very exciting. As I said from the beginning, there are seven seven programs. Today we're going to look at one of my favourite subjects, War of the Worlds. Next week, Life After Death. What an exciting subject that is. If you want to open that black door of death and see what's behind it, you need to be here next week. And then, of course, we have Bewitched, which is a, a program on the occult and the impact that is having on Australian culture, on Australian society and on our minds. Then we're going to look at the end of the world, Israel, Islam and America, number five. You don't want to miss that. These are three of the major players in the world today. And the Bible has some very interesting things to say about these three powers. And then we finish the program off with two programs, Blood on the Throne on September the 10th and History's Greatest Hoax. And so we hope that you will enjoy this program. You will be able to get CDs free of charge. Uh, we will show you next week how to get them. You can take those CDs home and, and check what's being said. CD, check in your Bible. Uh, we, we want to be very open in this program. And we know that as you check with the CDs, again, free of charge, the Bibles, that, that you will be warmed as you see that God does have in his word, the Bible, hope for the future of our world. Before I begin this afternoon's lecture, I would just once more, again, I'm a Christian, glad to be one too, and I'd just once more like to ask Jesus Christ to be with us this evening. Lord God of the heavens, Jesus, you who are the King of kings, we come here this afternoon seeking the truth of the future of our world from the Bible. Be here. May this lecture, Lord, be simple. May it be one that drives deep to the heart. And may we leave this place strangely warmed by your truth and your presence in this church. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. War of the Worlds. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? War of the Worlds. This is not a concept, war of the worlds. It is not a concept that we in Australian 21st culture and society don't understand because we have been inundated from Hollywood with this concept. And I think just over the last few years on some of the blockbuster movies that have been brought out that talk about the war of different worlds. There was Independence Day. Now, these aren't movies that I, I put on a very high uh, stool. These aren't movies that I suggest you go out and watch. 
But the concept is there and just about everybody in Australia, in the Western world, has seen these films. Independence Day, 1996. Story about how aliens invade, hostile aliens invade planet Earth. And then you go on to the world famous Star Wars. What is it? Six different programs, six different movies have been brought out where, where you see different worlds from all over the universe allying themselves with one side or the other, with the forces of darkness or the forces of light, and they war against each other. This is not a strange concept for 21st century Australians. And then, of course, we have the latest movie that's come out, War of the Worlds. Haven't seen it, don't intend to go and see it. But I do know a little bit about the history of this story. Again, an alien, an alien invasion, targeting planet Earth, another world, and our world and their world battle each other, and I believe in the end perhaps our world wins. And in fact, uh, most of the movies that I've come across that I have heard about, that I have read about, it seems that planet Earth always wins. Do you notice that? I can't recall one where the aliens come and the aliens win. And so this concept, war of the worlds, is not a strange one, is it? It's one that we understand. And yet, you know, I want to tell you this afternoon that as unbelievable, unbelievable as it may sound, there is, a, there is a war of worlds going on and it's going on right now. It's a real one. It's not a movie. It's not a fantasy. It's not up there in Never Never Land. There is a real war going on. And tonight's topic is on this war of two worlds. There is a general recognition that in every war there has to be two sides. You can't have a war if there's not two sides to fight each other. And I look back in recent history and I think of World War I, where we had the Germans and their allies on one side, and we had the British and the Americans and the Australians and their allies on the other. Millions of people killed. In fact, I had a, an old uncle, old Uncle Bert from New Zealand. Uh, he, must, he must have died many years ago. We've lost... I've lost track of him a long time ago. But when I was a small boy growing up in New Zealand, I remember visiting Uncle Bert's place. And he would talk to us. This is a man who fought in the trenches of France, who went to Anzac Cove, who fought the great battles of World War I. And he tells us terrible, he used to tell us terrible stories of what they went through as they fought that terrible war. Two sides in World War I. You can go a little further in history to World War II. Some of you, no doubt, have lived through World War II. You know that there were two sides in that battle, in that war. And one side was Adolf Hitler, Germany, Italy, and the Axis powers. And on the other side of that war was the Allies. Again, Great Britain, the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, the Western world. It was a savage war. Over 50 million people died in that war. Two sides, you know, I had two grandfathers fight in that war. Terrible war. Terrible, terrible destruction and death. And you can go on in history to the Vietnam War. I don't remember the Vietnam War. But I do remember 
as I started off in my trade as a builder carpenter, coming across men all the time who had fought in Vietnam. And in the most case, they came back shattered, destroyed, broken down, hollow men. And, and it was interesting for me to watch these guys as they tried to pick their lives up. But there were two sides in that terrible war. There was a Viet Cong, the communist, backed by China on one side and on the other side. Again, we have the United States of America and her allies. And of course, we come down to the first war of my generation, the Gulf War. I do remember the Gulf War. Went to, a coll went to college in the United States of America and a young man two rooms down from where I was boarding was a U.S. Marine. His name was Bart. And I remember saying to Bart, because he was a US Marine for no other reason than he could pick up his college uh, degree for free from the US Army. And I remember saying to Bart, you better be careful being a, a US Marine man. And he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, if you're a Marine and then there's a war, you're going to have to go. And he said, there'll never be a war. You know, several months after Bart made that bold statement to me in our dorm up there in Angwin, California in the United States of America. He had his gun and he was on the front line in Iraq fighting for his life and for his country. Again though, two sides, the United Nations and her allies on one side and Saddam Hussein and Iraq almost by himself. I think backed only by the, the Palestinians on the other side. And of course we're all aware of the current war on terror which is bringing so much fear and so much horror, not just to the Western world, but to the Arab world and, in fact, to the entire globe. And, of course, we have two sides there too. We have the Western world, in fact, almost the whole world on one side and a small group of fanatics who are holding the world to hostage on the other. Wherever there is a war. There must be two sides. And in this lecture, in this Bible study this afternoon, in this war of the worlds, there are two sides. The protagonists, well, let me tell you, they don't fight with conventional armies. They are not conventional nations going head to head against each other with tanks and rockets and battleships and fighter planes. No, this is a different war and it impacts every person on the planet. The protagonists or the opponents on one side is Jesus Christ. And on the other side, his enemy is a, is a being by the name of Lucifer, of Satan. Now I want to tell you right from the beginning that Jesus and Satan do not represent different nations. They do not represent different kingdoms or just different sides in a battle. They come from different worlds and these worlds are at war and it is a savage war, a ferocious war. And it's a war that's caught up not only the entire human race, but the entire universe. Now, I know that this concept will be a little strange for some of you this afternoon. But if we can accept that Hollywood can bring out blockbuster movies that many millions of people, maybe in their foolishness, 
except as being perhaps a coming reality, then surely when the Bible says that there are two wars, two worlds at war, surely we can at least have a look at what the Bible's saying and see if it doesn't make some sense. I want to have a look this afternoon, firstly, at these two protagonists and the worlds they come from. And I want to do this by going to the Bible. Now, if you have your Bible, and I want to encourage you to bring your Bible along if you have it, I'd encourage you to open it. But if you don't, then we do have the scriptures up on the screen. And we're going first to have a look at Satan's world. And this is a sad world. And it's a dark world. And we're going to do that by going firstly to John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking and he's talking about the devil. He's talking about Satan, about this being. Now, don't you worry too much if you don't know who Satan is. Don't you worry too much this afternoon if you haven't got too much of a concept of Satan. Don't even worry if you question his very existence. Just allow your mind to be open and have a look about, uh, have a look from the Bible about what the Bible says who this being is. See whether it doesn't make a little bit of sense. This is Jesus, Satan's enemy talking here. And he says to Satan, you, uh, well, well, I beg your pardon. He says to one of the people in the world that he's talking to at the time, he says, you belong to your father. Now who's the father? The devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. You see, he was talking to somebody in his time while he was on earth who was giving him trouble in his ministry. He says the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't hold to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, so the devil's a murderer. And now the Bible says, Jesus says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Look. Don't try and build the picture up too fast in your mind this afternoon about who the devil is. Let the Bible unpack this character for you. The first thing the Bible says about him, and I find this interesting, is that he, the devil is a murderer and he is a liar. So this being is a killer and you can't take what he says for truth. Well, it's not a good start, is it? If you were getting a character reference and the first thing that came up on your resume was you're a murderer and a liar, most people would turn off you immediately. But there is something attractive about this dark being to the human race. Something about him that we find appealing. Let's go further. See what the Bible says about him. And about his world. It says... And we've gone to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. The third claim the Bible makes about the devil is that here we have a being who is tempting, who is leading the whole world astray. Now, a lot of people struggle with that concept, that there be a being out there that is leading you or me or the world or the people of the world astray. But tell me, how does a father, how does a husband who is in love with his wife, 
who has three, two, three, four beautiful children. How does a husband, a father, leave his wife, leave those children, all of whom he loves, and give it all up for a wild one-night fling? I'll tell you how. It's through the deceiver. It's through the tempter. It's through the devil, Satan. You know, one of the reasons... There's a few reasons, but one of the reasons that I know Satan exists and is alive today is because of his work in my own life. I hear him as he comes to tempt me. I hear him and I see him deceive me. He is at work in my life and he is at work in the lives of every person on the planet. And the Bible says, thirdly, that he is a deceiver. And he does tempt. The Bible doesn't stop there. While Jesus was on earth, Jesus came to earth. Some of you may not know that. It's a wonderful story and we'll look at it later on in this series. Jesus came to earth, became a human being. And there was a woman that he came across while he was on earth. And she was very, very sick. And Jesus wanted to heal her. And there was some opposition to him healing her, but he healed her anyway. But he made an interesting comment. (coughs) He said in Luke 13, 16, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, remember she's sick, go and read the context after this program, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years. How did Satan keep her bound? He made her Sick. Satan is responsible. This is what the Bible says. For sickness. Now you might not be able to tell at the moment. But I'm very sick. Can you tell that right now? My voice is all croaky. My lungs are all filled up. And I'm not well at all. I want to tell you that that sickness came from Satan. He's responsible for all the diseases, for all the sickness, for for, for all, all the pain that the human race experiences today. The Bible says it. I can just imagine. I don't want to take this too far. But I can just imagine Satan in his workshop concocting up different diseases and viruses that he then sends out and spreads across the human globe. And he takes great joy in our sickness and our pain. And the Bible says here in Luke chapter 13, verse 16, in fact, Jesus says, it is Satan that has bound this woman who has made her sick for 18 years. That's why it's more than appropriate when you're sick to ask the Lord for healing. And when he chooses, God will intervene. Jesus will interfere. And Jesus will and does heal. If I had more time, I could tell you about wonderful miracles of church members in this church who've been healed of life-threatening diseases and illnesses. And some of them are sitting here this afternoon. Let's find out just a little bit more about this being. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, the acts of the sinful nature, or let me, let me unpack that for you, the acts of Satan's world. Look at what the Bible says. 
are obvious. Now here you go. This is the most succinct description of the world of Satan in the Bible. It says they are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. The Bible says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not be part of Jesus' world. That's what the Bible says. Oh, what a description. It's a little bit... It's a little bit discouraging, dark when you, when you read this. The devil and his world is made up of murdering. We've looked at it, lying, deception, temptation, sickness, sexual immorality. I'm a pastor. I can't tell you about the pain when I walk. I can't describe it in words of English. When I walk into a home that's been split apart, the children, the devastation of the children, the pain in that family and in the relatives of all those who, who love them when immorality, and I don't care whether you're a Christian or not, sexual immorality hurts. It hurts the family and it's of Satan, it's of his world. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, we're going to talk about that. How it pains my heart when I see our whole world sinking under a tidal wave of witchcraft. It's in our movies, it's in our music, it's in our schools, it's in our books, it's in our culture, it's even being thrown at our children. And the Bible here says that this sort of thing, witchcraft, is of the devil's world, it's of darkness, and yet it's becoming normal, it's being, becoming accepted, in fact it's being pushed forward as what we should get ourselves and our children into. But it's of the world of Satan. Hatred, oh, how, how, how can you describe what's going on in our world? Between the Israelis and the Palestinians, or between the Muslims and the Christians in Sudan, or between the Hutus and the Tutsis of Rwanda, or between the Catholics and the Protestants of Ireland. This is darkness, and it's of Satan's world. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. I used to live in Satan's world. I used to be a businessman. And I used to get a kick, selfish ambition, out of destroying, getting on top of, defeating, through dishonest means in most cases, other businesses and businessmen, so I could get ahead. Selfish ambition, it's of darkness. It's of the devil. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Australia, a country where our media, where it seems almost everybody encourages copious drinking, orgies and the like. Satan's world, I believe, <coughs> is a neat depiction of our world. In fact, let me tell you that it is our world. Satan is the pretender and he is the rebel leader of this planet. Just a couple of other things about Satan, Second Corinthians, and I'll do this quickly, 11.14. 
Satan masquerades himself as an angel of what? Satan is an angel. A lot of people don't realize that. He's not a human being. He's not a two-horned goat. He's an angel. Created in the beginning by Jesus. We'll go there in the next meeting. Secondly, the Bible says, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled from heaven to the earth and his angels with him. Not only is Satan is an angel, Satan is a fallen angel. And people say, don't be ridiculous, Lloyd. No such thing as a dark angel, as a fallen angel, as these beings that we can't, that we can't see. I just can't believe that. Well, let me tell you that I have been to Papua New Guinea. I have worked with the people up there. And I have seen Satan himself at work in physical form. And although I'm going mad, or I've seen something the Bible says actually does exist. I have seen him enter people, possess people. I've seen their eyes glaze up. I've seen other voices come out of their mouths. I have seen Satan. I've seen the power of him. He is a demonic, dark, fallen angel. And we're going to go more into this area next week. But I just want to give you a a, a touch of who he is today. The Bible says, First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, the Bible says, Peter says to you, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, to destroy. Satan is your enemy. Whether you want to acknowledge him or not, the reality of him or not this afternoon, you need to know Satan is your enemy. Secondly, Satan is very, very dangerous. He is far stronger than you. You cannot take him on. And it is madness to fool with him. One of the greatest fears I have for Australia is not where we're headed politically. It's where we're headed in the spiritual world. Whereas I've already said, it seems like the entire country is being saturated, is being swamped in things like Harry Potter, which is witchcraft, which is from the devil. And I'm a pastor, I work for light, I work for God, and I can tell you that, and I can say it through experience, that Satan is very, very dangerous. He wants to kill you. And the fool, look, you don't want to follow Jesus. Fair enough. You don't want to get involved and ask him into your heart. I can accept that. But don't fool with the devil. Don't go into things of the occult. Don't buy your kids Harry Potter books. You are bringing into your home, you are bringing into your life, and you are bringing into your mind. Very dangerous, a very dangerous being. He will not fool with you. He wants to get hold of you, and eventually he wants to destroy you. Let's have a look at Jesus' world. I like this better. And I've got to tell you as we go into the second part here that, and I I think I better admit it right from the beginning, I'm very biased toward Jesus Christ here. Can you tell that? I'm on his side because I like what he offers. And that's why we put these meetings on. Because we want you to see what Jesus offers. Have a look at this. 
The Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of Jesus' world or the characteristics of Jesus' world are this. Look at it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, the Bible says, there is no law. Wow. This is Jesus' world. Where do you want to live? A world of love. Now look, I come from a family of four boys. My mother, you know, she's a a beautiful woman. We were boisterous boys. I want to say it, but at times I guess we were naughty boys. And I think we must have turned my mother's hair grey with our behaviour at times. And we certainly gave her plenty to think about. And plenty to do as four little boys, all born within 10 years of each other. So we all came together pretty quickly. The four little boys grew up together. I remember good times. I remember some very sore times. But I remember a a beautiful mother. You know, my mother, for all her weaknesses and all her great strengths, she loved her boys. She loved her oldest son, Lloyd. That's me. Colin who just got married last Monday. Oh, we thank the Lord for that. It took us 40 years to see him walk down the aisle, and that was a great thing. She loves her third boy, Phil, and she loves her little baby brother, Stephen. I want to tell you that although my mother was known to apply firm discipline to my behind at times, there's one thing I can tell you about my mother. She loved me, and she would defend me like a bear defends her cubs and only the Lord could help you when my mother goes on the attack in defense of her sons because she loves them and I know that God loves us in the same way in in an even deeper way God's love for us that's Jesus his love for us is deep and it's pure And there's nothing, you know, this is what I find amazing about Jesus. It's one of the reasons I serve him. It's not a cliche. There is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. Think of that for a moment. You can't do anything to make Jesus love you more. And the thing that that really touches me is you can't do anything to make Jesus love you less. You can sit here in this church. You can walk out and you can say everything that pastor said was total nonsense. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. You can say that. I'll never follow Jesus Christ and you can follow that road. That's your choice. That's how Jesus works. He's he's a God of freedom. You do what you want. You can turn your back on Jesus and walk completely in the opposite direction. He will not love you less. I find that amazing. He will not love you less. You can be a pastor, you can commit your life to him, you can go out and share him for the rest of your life, you can go to India like Mother Teresa did and you can spend your entire life sharing what you have with the poverty-stricken poor of that country. It will not make God love you more. My mother loves me because I'm her son. I've done some stupid, foolish things in my life. My mother has seen it. Sometimes she's shaking her head at me. At other times I know I've made my mother weep. But never did my mother love me less. In fact, I think my mother loves me more today than when, the, when I was born. And it's the same with God under His. Jesus' love is deeper. It's stronger than the love of a mother for a child. 
He loves you. There's nothing you can do to stop Jesus loving you. And you can walk out of here and you can ignore it. He's going to keep loving you and he'll love you to the day you die. You may never walk with him. He'll love you. He'll love you. He will love you after you die. He will love you through eternity. You can't stop Jesus loving you. He's going to do it anyway. Jesus' world is love. In fact, you know, the most succinct text in the Bible, 1 John 4.8 says, Jesus or God, God Jesus, Jesus is God, Jesus is love. If you want to know what God is, if you want to know what Jesus is, look at love. Jesus is love. Jesus is, look at it, joy. Jesus is peace. There, let me tell you something here. I'm not a politician. I don't have insights into what's going on in Washington or what's happening in Moscow or what's happening in Israel and the Knesset. But I can tell you this. There will never be peace on earth without Jesus. It's impossible. Peace belongs to Jesus' world, not to Satan's. Patience, kindness. Whoa, is this the world I live in? Goodness. These are beautiful words. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is Jesus. Never out of control. Always gentle, always kind, always patient, always full of joy. Jesus is peace, you know. Jesus is here now, and I praise God for that. But if Jesus was to to walk into this room in a strongly physical way, which he could do if he chose to, he's here through his Holy Spirit at the moment. But if he was to walk into here, the overwhelming experience that you would you, you would experience if you are one of his children is not just his love, but peace. I think it was Madonna who said in Time magazine a few years ago, and she's got everything. She said, if I could give anything, I would give everything I have to have peace in my heart. And you know something? I'm never going to be a wealthy man on this planet. I'll probably have a mortgage until the day I retire and perhaps after I retire. The one thing I've got that those who live in the world of Satan can never have as I have Jesus' love in my heart, which gives me peace. Peace. You know what? I would not trade those two things, God's love and his peace, for anything. Nothing. It's a beautiful experience. And this is Jesus' world. Let me just share you a couple of other things. The Bible says, God the Father says about his son, you are God. Make no mistake, Jesus, who is on the other side to Satan, is God. He is the high God. (coughs) He is the all-powerful God. There is none other like him. He is to be worshipped. He rules the universe. He is God. 
You know, I talk if Jesus were to walk in here today, if Jesus walked in here today, I'd fall flat on my face in worship to God. He is God. Not only is Jesus God, the Bible tells us in Revelation 19.16, on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is the supreme ruler of the universe. Bible goes on and say everything that was created it was created by him everything in heaven and earth and on uh, sorry and everything seen and unseen thing and unseen all things were created by Jesus Jesus is God Jesus is the supreme ruler of the universe there is none higher than him and Jesus is the creator in fact Jesus is the creator of Satan himself you come here next week you'll see that the creator of Satan himself This is Jesus' world. Now look at it just for a moment. Here it is, Satan's world versus Jesus' world. Now I'm asking you this afternoon, what world do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world of violence? As I said to you, I was just in New Guinea a few weeks ago. This is a place, a beautiful country, full of beautiful people, but it's being held hostage by ruffians, by rascals, by criminals, by violent criminals. You can't go from the airport at Ley into town without an armed escort. You've got to sleep in your house at night behind 12-foot razor wire fences with armed guards. That's Satan's world. It's how he wants it to be. Do you want to live in a violent world full of murder, hate, lying, selfish selfish ambition, sexual immorality, witchcraft, uncontrolled rage, factions, discord? I don't. But I'll tell you what, it's the world I find myself in. But here I am living in Satan's world, which is what our planet is. And yet, I'm not living in Satan's world. I might be here physically. I'm with Jesus. And I got peace instead of violence. I got a reverence because of Jesus. I got a reverence for life instead of hate. I've got truth instead of lying. I got purity through Jesus instead of sexual immorality. I've got a relationship with Jesus rather than seeking a relationship with some demon. How on earth, how do we get ourselves caught with Satan, with all that, when Jesus is offering us so much more? Well, I want to close by saying there is a problem. And this is it. I'm not very good on PowerPoint, but I do my best. Let's pretend for a moment that what you see on the screen there is our world. Can you see that? Doesn't our world look blue from space? In our world, you have two kingdoms. This is a fact. You have Satan's world or Satan's kingdom. And you have Jesus' world or you have Jesus' kingdom. Now, I want to tell you from experience that I have found it very difficult to get from Satan's world to Jesus' world. There are some things in Satan's world that I enjoy. Isn't it easy to lie when you get yourself into trouble? Isn't that the easy way out sometimes? 
Is it the easy way out? I think it is. Isn't it easy to cheat on your tax return? Or, or isn't it easy to, to just uh, perhaps wander a little bit with, your faithful, with the faithfulness toward your wife in your mind? There are some things in Satan's world that we enjoy. And we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves if we think for one moment that everything in Satan's world is unpleasurable. Because to tell you the truth, most of the things in Satan's world give great pleasure. People get pleasure out of murder. People get pleasure out of lying. People get pleasure out of cheating. People get pleasure out of sexual immorality. People get pleasure out of uncontrolled behaviour. Yes, they do. A lot of these sorts of things do bring us pleasure. It's what I said in the beginning. We have this natural instinct towards Satan. As a lion or a tiger or a wild animal has a natural instinct to blood, the Bible says, so we have a natural instinct to Satan's world. And it's not easy to go from Satan's world to Jesus' world. I just want to leave you with this. John chapter 14, verse 6. It's a beautiful text. Jesus said, I am the way to my world. Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to my world. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the bridge. You know, this series is all about showing you how to cross that bridge from Satan's world to Jesus' world. It's not about making you a certain religion or getting you to a certain church. I can promise you that. This series is about taking you from Satan's world to Jesus' world on the bridge who is Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, Lloyd, you've left us up in the air. Well, perhaps I have a little. But I want to give you perhaps just for a moment the first step. If you want to move out of Satan's world with its darkness and with its guilt and with its pain and with its shame, and I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. If you want to go from there, and, and yes, with its pleasure. If you want to go from that world into Jesus' world of love and peace and joy and self-control and patience, if you want to go into this world, the first step is to ask Jesus to take you there. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. You don't have to know literally anything about the Bible. You don't have to know a lot about Satan. You don't have to know a lot about Jesus even. All you've got to do is respond to the gentle call of Jesus in your heart by praying, Jesus, help me cross the bridge. We can all do that. Jesus, help me cross the bridge. And if you pray that prayer this week and you come back here next week 
at four o'clock. And by the way, Satan will do everything he can to keep you away. Especially if he knows that you want to cross that bridge. You come back here next week, we'll further this study on how to cross the bridge from Satan's world to Jesus' world. It is a wonderful experience. And as I close, and I look at that picture up there on the screen of Jesus with his arms around that man, I really see myself because I came from a world of darkness. I know what it's like to live out there. And Jesus helped me across the bridge into his world. And I live in an uncertain world. I live in a world that's crashing. Fuel prices are going up through the roof. The Middle East is out of control. The environment's going crazy. This is what happens when Satan's in control. That's the world I live in physically. But there's another world that I belong to that transcends, that is even more powerful than that physical world and that's this world with Jesus Christ. And that's what he calls you to and offers you today and that's what this series is about. So I invite you to bow your heads. And the great thing about Jesus being God, he's the only being in the universe that can read our minds. And I wonder if I pray this prayer, if you can pray it in your mind after me. He will hear you. And you can begin today the supernatural process of crossing. And it is a wonderful process of crossing from Satan's world into Jesus' one. Let's bow our heads and ask him. Dear Lord, come before you this afternoon. I've been stuck in Satan's world. I want to cross that bridge into yours. I want to give up the shame, the guilt, the pain and the hurt. Please hear me this afternoon, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming this afternoon. I hope you've been blessed and I hope that you're able to just get a glimpse of where we're headed. Next week we're going to look at life after death. It follows directly on from this meeting. And I want to encourage you to come here, bring your friends, four o'clock. Meetings aren't long. I guarantee you that you'll be blessed as together we cross that bridge from Satan's world into God's. God bless. Have a happy day.